Live from MoLite Studios in the heartland of America, it's your Monday morning jolt of hot photography tips with a frothy topping of the latest product news from Godox, MoLite, and more. Welcome to the Monday Morning Cup of Mo with your host, the man who put the Mo in MoLite, Michael Mowbray. Good morning and welcome to the Monday Morning Cup of Mo. I'm your host, Michael Mowbray. Each week I pour a cup of coffee and I explore a single topic related to professional photography. Thank you very much for joining me. Ever since the tectonic shift from film to digital photography in the early 2000s, photographers have been struggling with the task of archiving and storing their photography files. Unfettered by the high cost of film and developing, many photographers also began to capture more images. For a wedding in the late 1990s, I may have shot 300 frames. By the late 2000s, it was common for my associate and I to capture two or 3,000 frames. Old-school senior photo sessions in the 80s and 90s were often limited to a single roll of film. 12 frames if you shot square format, 15 if you shot 645. If the client blinked, they got 14 proofs. If they blinked twice, they got 13. And if you were avant-garde, maybe you shot a whole roll of 220 and captured 30 images for a single client. Sacre bleu! Oh, the simple days of film. You shot your photos, you packed up your rolls in a special envelope and gave your film a little special blessing as the mail carrier whisked them off to the lab. You played golf while waiting for the proofs to come back at the end of the week. The simple days. Well, not everything was bunnies and unicorns back in the days of film. We still had to store the negatives in a cool, dry place to prevent damage to the film, and we had to be very careful when handling the negatives as well. We had to tape things up to crop cards. Oh, what a pain in the butt that was. Now we store our negatives, our digital raw files, on terabytes worth of storage. From RAID systems to servers to the cloud to all other sorts of recordable media. In the old film days, we were expected to store the negatives for our clients. It was virtually unheard of to turn negatives over to customers. Now, it's a challenge. Many photographers sell the digital files to their customers. Others struggle with that idea, even though many or even most of our customers are demanding it. And that brings me to the crux of this episode. So what's my point? What am I getting to here? In today's digital world, should we be the long-term repository of photos for all of our clients? It's a question we all face. And I don't have the answer because I don't know the answer. So let me lay out some of the options and my opinions on this. I started with digital photography in 2001, late 2001 to be honest, when the Canon D30 was released. It was a three megapixel camera that recorded onto costly 128 megabyte cards. That's megabyte, not gigabyte, 128 megabyte cards. In 2001, we paid $1.25 per megabyte when we bought compact flashcards. So a 128 megabyte flashcard was around 160 bucks. That's $260 in today's dollars. The cameras were close to $3,000. Again, it was three megapixels. And if I remember correctly, it had three focusing points. With the advent of mainstream digital photography for professionals, we also had the beginning of a new concept, backups. We could now create backups of our photos. At first, we backed them up to CDs or magnetic media. Does anyone remember zip disks? Does anyone remember zip disks fondly? 
I don't think so. Then we learned the CDs degraded over time, so we needed to use gold CDs to ensure that our data would not degrade, at least not during our lifetimes. As new cameras emerged, we created bigger and bigger files and had to switch to backing up photos to DVDs that could hold a whopping 4 gigabytes of data. Files got bigger, we shot more, and soon it wasn't unusual to need 4, 5, or even 6 DVDs to back up a wedding. Portable hard drives became less expensive, so we would back up to those as well, often having files in at least three places. The hard drive on the computer, a DVD or more of the original RAW files, a DVD of processed JPEGs, and a portable drive with all of that as well. But then someone thought, what if we had a fire? Or a flood? Or some other disaster? It happens. Soon photographers were spending hours upon hours of their time and thousands of dollars every year dealing with the storage of digital photos. And we weren't and likely still are not passing that cost on to the customer, which begs the question, why not? Or the bigger question, why are we the long-term archive for every photo we have ever shot for every client we have ever had? It's a good question. Do we have a moral obligation? There are some that would say yes. Is there a business obligation? I don't have the answers. I know that because I have access to all of the digital photos I've ever created, I can pull customer photos from the archive going back to 2001 which came in handy when I had a wedding client from 2011 reach out to me recently asking if they could have me make a wedding album for them from 2011. Not to be outdone, shortly after that, I had a client from 2003, yes, 2003, request a wedding album. The two jobs brought in five grand in unexpected revenue during the COVID shutdown, which was great. But then I thought, what was the cost of storing these photos and every other photo from the past 20 years? Hundreds and hundreds of DVDs, scores of external hard drives, two Drobo RAID systems, and two Synology RAID systems. Ballpark costs for all of that? Well into the tens of thousands of dollars. So in essence, from a business perspective, we are investing thousands of dollars in hopes that someone might buy something or need something in the future? And or are we investing thousands of dollars to cover our asses and maybe someday be the hero when a customer loses their thumb drive of their wedding photos? I've been building up to this question. Should we charge our customers an archiving fee for storing their photos? If they don't want to pay it, they sign off on it, and we are no longer obligated to store their photos, come what may. That probably makes some of you a little woozy. Yeah, it does, honestly, for me. Okay, another thought. What if one of the strings attached for clients who want to buy digital photos is this? If you buy them, you are now responsible for them. No different than if we transferred film negatives to them. They're yours now. Best of luck. I think these are legitimate business questions that we all need to ponder and sort out as we pour thousands of dollars into archival storage and pile terabyte upon terabyte of hard drives and RAID systems and cloud backup onto our expense sheets. Wouldn't it be a bit freeing to no longer have to worry about storing these files? Something to think about. 
It's also something we all should think about because wouldn't it be nice if there was an industry standard? That's one of the problems we have in the photography industry is everybody does everything differently. And if a client goes from one photographer to another, it's a whole different business model in many cases. Some sell digital files, some don't. Some charge a high session fee, others don't. Some sell prints, others don't. It'd be nice if we had a little bit more standardization in this industry. Maybe this is one area where we could do it. Who knows? But it's something to think about. Here's the latest news from Godox and Molite. Instead of product news, I'm giving a public service announcement about lithium-ion batteries this week. It's one of the most common questions I get and probably the most common phone call I get, too. First of all, thank goodness for this technology that provides us with a tremendous amount of portable energy to power our flashes. But as more and more people move into battery-powered strobes, we see more and more issues with battery management. And that's what this PSA is about. You need to properly manage your lithium-ion batteries to keep them in peak performance. These batteries are sensitive, high-tech gear pieces, no different from your cameras and computers and cell phones. You can't just toss them about and expect them to perform correctly. So here are the vital tips for keeping your lithium-ion batteries functioning. First of all, do not leave your batteries attached to your flash when not in use. When you're done using them, detach them. For the AD400 Pros and AD600s, detach the batteries and store them in your bag. When you leave them connected, there can be a siphoning of the power from the battery through the contact points. You also risk the flash being accidentally turned on while it's in your case, and that's no bueno. And if the modeling light is on, it could create a bunch of heat and cause a fire inside your bag. That's even worse. So detach your batteries. For the AD300 Pro and smaller flashes, pop the batteries out for the very same reasons. Next, do not consistently drain your batteries entirely down. That will shorten the lifespan of your cells. If your battery meter is down to one cell or flashing, it's time to recharge that battery. On that note, do not put a hot battery on the charger. Let it cool down. Please do not attach the charger to a battery when it's on the flash. You'll likely damage the battery or the flash or both. It's not designed to work that way. Do not let your high-performance lithium-ion batteries sit idle for months. They will eventually drain down below a minimum charge level and will need to be serviced to bring them back to life. And that's on purpose because low-power lithium-ion cells become unstable. And that's when they start to become a little unsafe. Other than that, they're super safe. And that's one of the reasons why that they'll go into a hibernation mode. If they get to a certain minimum power level, they just kind of shut off. And this whole kind of thing happened a lot to people during the COVID shutdown. Their batteries sat idle for five or six months and then would not take a charge. They went into hibernation. Lithium-ion batteries should be used at least once every one to two months. And for longer-term storage, they should be stored at a 50 to 70% charge level. Not full power, 50 to 70% charge. Lithium-ion batteries do not like long-term storage after a full charge. The good news is that all the Pro batteries can be reset and brought back to life, but you have to send them to Molite for the service, which is $39. It's best to avoid the service entirely by properly maintaining your batteries. Treat your batteries well, and you will receive many years of service from them. Lithium-ion batteries can typically take 350 to 500-plus charge cycles. 
So even if you use them every day, they'll last you a while. Hopefully, these tips will keep your batteries in tip-top shape. If not, reach out to Molite and hopefully we can get them reset for you. Thank you again for joining me for a Monday Morning Cup of Mo. Please subscribe and follow. I will also be posting more information on the podcast Facebook page, so be sure to follow that as well. And join the Monday Morning Cup of Mo podcast group where you can ask questions, suggest topics, and join the rest of the community as we grow this together. Talk to you next week. 